Welcome to Property Nomads. We've got a fantastic interview lined up for you today. Um, our guest today was on the podcast a couple of years ago. Uh, we were looking at the seven pillars of wealth and building your foundations back then. But today we're going to be looking at a slightly different subject, and that's going to involve things to do with pension funds, SASs, maybe even SIPs. Who knows? We're going to be dealing a lot with that. But my guest today is Kevin Whelan. Uh, Kevin is an economist author and founder of Wealth Builders and is one of the UK's leading experts and authorities on SAS pensions. Wealth Builders are on a mission to help 50,000 families completely transform their wealth and become financially independent. Kevin's got a credible track record in helping business owners create streams of recurring income both inside and outside of their property, uh, of their company, I should say, and assisting employees to jump off of the corporate treadmill. Kevin, welcome back to Property Nomads. Thank you so much for the invitation and pleasure to be back with you. And of course, the changes that have taken place in the last couple of years, Rob, spectacular changes. And no doubt many people are feeling a bit browbeaten by the, the headwind of that. But fortunately, there are many people now starting to talk uh, very ably about opportunities ahead and seeing a sort of slight glimmer of hope on interest rates, I guess. But there are ways where you can access these opportunities in a much more creative way, creative funding, using tax free trust funds, a whole range of different things that I'm sure we'll get to in a completely different flavor. But I might mention one thing, just as you talked about the families there, uh, we're trying to get as many people to sign a petition to put financial literacy on the school curriculum once and for all. It's just not there. And I would love it if I could share with you the link to that petition. It's been promoted by Go Henry um, and the people at Go Henry, and uh, we're backing that and giving it our backing. So it'd be great if parents out there, grandparents out there, just feel like, yeah, the, the school system isn't really serving our younger people to learn financial literacy and master those life skills. But that being said, looking forward to sharing with grown-ups. Uh, some of the things that I might know that might help them take advantage of the opportunities ahead in 2024. Thanks for that, Kevin. We'll put a link to that petition in the in the show notes uh, and on the socials as well, because it's something I feel very strongly about that we need to have more of that Thank in, you. in our system. So we'll definitely uh, accommodate <clears throat> that. Thank you. Uh, where do we start then? Um, so let's, I don't want to sort of do too many layman's terms because there's a lot of things uh, to discuss. But if you can just briefly explain, if you can, uh, maybe the difference between a SAS and a SIP and uh, a, a trust fund, and then we'll go from there. Okay. I mean, interesting language and some complexity in all three things. And I'd probably point out that anybody who's in a property journey in any event has learned new language along the way. They learned a buy-to-let, HMO, ROI serviced accommodation, you know, rent to rent, um, a whole raft of different terms that they get to grips with. Now, for, for many people, the concept of trusts, the concept of SIPs and SASs, they might be somewhere. Uh, they've heard of them. Mm -hmm. But if I ask them to give a five-minute presentation on them, they might struggle. Uh, fortunately, this is the area that I have some expertise in. And I might say that uh, in broad terms, all pensions in any event are trust funds. So a trust fund is a bit of legal bubble wrap. It's a box 
wrapped up tightly to protect the money that's in there. And that's really valuable to understand because whenever you're building assets, those assets are always at risk of something happening. Now, we know that from a simplistic, if you don't insure a building and it burns down, you've lost your asset. But when it comes to trusts, it's protecting the money typically from a number of dangers, right? That's the key. Well, what are the dangers for most people in property? Well, there's the danger of being subject to creditors. There's the danger of litigation. There's the danger of running out of money even. So understanding how trust funds that already exist, most people have got some kind of a pension in their life, whether it's from an old employer, whether it's private money. But for the most part, what I see is almost a parking of the pension and a focus on the property. Well, the two things can go together, but most people think pensions do not disturb till 65, property build it now. So one is for now, the other is for later. Change that around. So you can make a tax-free pension trust fund and make that work to help you build your property portfolio now in many, many ways. So starting off then, a pension is a trust fund where the government gives tax relief when you put money into it. So stated simply, if the government gives you 25p in the pound tax relief or 40p in the pound tax relief or 45p in the pound tax relief, because that's the tax rate, then every pound you put in, you're getting that off your tax bill. So what that means is essentially, if you put money in and you compound that up over time, you're building a completely tax refund. No income tax, no corporation tax, no capital gains tax, no inheritance tax. So it means almost you can build money in a frictionless way. But the vast majority of people park that money in the stock market, but their real passion is property. So my skill is how do you turn a pension that looks like it's do not disturb to money you can use today? And there are two ways to do that, two different vehicles you mentioned. One is called a SIP, which is a self-invested personal pension. It's called a SAS, which... Awkward title, nothing to do with the SAS, nothing to do with software as a service, but very simply, a small self-administered scheme. Awkward title, wouldn't win any marketing prizes at all. You're not going to hear that one. And the marketing prize for, you know, is not going to be SAS because it was coined in the 1970s and it's been going since then. And it's a bit of legalese, pension legalese. And that's why, because it's legalese, most people don't penetrate the grayness of that. So I'd like to bring that to life, if I may, so people can open their eyes and even open their mind to, hang on, I've got a pension in my life. Could I make it work? How do you do that? <clears throat> well, a SIP is for individuals. It's a one-person vehicle, like paddling your own canoe, still get tax relief. And for the most part, most SIPs, all you can do is it's a personal pension, so you can invest it in the stock market or commercial property and own the commercial property. So we have lots of clients we've helped buy a commercial building they're working with, say they're manufacturing widgets. So they buy a factory that manufactures the widgets and the factory then is owned by them and they pay rent to themselves. Very clever. And also by putting the property into the pension, it's now tax-free. It's now inheritance tax-free. It's free of any danger from a third party coming in and affecting it. So you can see why trading companies would use a SIP quite a lot. 
doesn't help you if you're a property investor too much. Because as I mentioned earlier on, Rob, what does a property investor want? I want money now. Mm -hmm. I want to build my wealth now. How do you do that? Well, the way to do that is the concept of the small self-administered scheme. What that, what they, uh, let me decipher and break it down. Small, <clears throat> less than 12 people. This means it's a collaborative tool. You can combine money up to 11 people, husband and wife, right? My SAS, husband and wife, for example. Uh, you can have siblings. You can have wider families. You can have business directors. The advantage of pooling money then is if you have your money, and I know one, one of my clients, four of them, right? Two, two husbands, two wives. One, two, three, four. Put four pensions together. What have you got? More money. If you've got more money, what have you got? More buying power. If you've got more buying power, what have you got? More negotiation skills. So the value in understanding that money can be pooled instead of left puddling a canoe, you now put an outboard motor on the back of it and you can start to make that go where you want it to go. So a SAS small up to 11. Self-administered means self-directed. You are in the driving seat. So instead of being told what you can do, you choose what you want to do. So if you love property, I'll show you some ways on, uh, you can do that. And scheme just means a pension. So it's a small scheme that you direct yourself. So it's like driving your own vehicle, putting an outboard motor, as I mentioned, on your own. It's a high-performance vehicle, but you have to have a limited company to have one because each scheme, each SAS is individually acknowledged by HMRC. So the government acknowledged them. And in order to get them, you have to have a limited company. You have to put some time and energy and effort into learning a little bit about what being a trustee means, because every trust has a trustee. So you've got to learn a little bit. It's not complicated. If you can run a property company, you can do this. If you can run a business, you can do this. It's not complex. There is some knowledge you need to know. And you need a plan. The plan then is, well, what can you do? So what does the law allow? It's not now like a SIP. What does the SIP provider allow you to do? You're the provider in a sense. So what do you want to do? And in broad terms, there are a number of strategies you can use. And I'll talk about three, if I may, Rob. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. call them the, the buy strategy, the borrow strategy, and the bridge strategy. Now, there are seven strategies in total, but I'll just share with you three otherwise We'll be here all day. So the buy strategy says, hey, I've got these four pensions or my own pension or myself, my wife, and we've got this money. We've now got control of it. We now want to grow the pension. So our focus is growing the pension because we want a bigger pot for later. OK, I'll come on to the sexier part in a moment. So the buy strategy, you then can buy commercial property of all kinds, commercial to residential property, and you can use that all the money in the pension, plus you can go and get a bank loan as well. So you've got more money to be able to do deals. Also, you can buy dilapidated properties without where you can't get a mortgage, for example. So many different things you can do. Uh, pub conversions, barn conversions, church conversions I've seen, old stations conversions, fire station conversions. Uh, you know, you name it, if it can be converted, you can by that, which means you're building more value in your pension. And if you're doing a commercial to residential, you're buying a pub and converting into apartments, you can do that, then you can own the apartments. So you can out the money from the pension at the end. So you build the asset, and once you've got it to a certain point, because the key 
is the government does not allow to own residential property inside any kind of a pension, right? So the key is you've got to learn, well, how do I get it out? Well, that's something you can learn. It isn't for now. That's the buy strategy. Very popular for those who want to build that pot up. And given the government has removed all restrictions, you can build an unlimited pot. And that means you can almost get to a place where you've got life-changing sums of money you know, later on in your life. However, if you can't wait till then and you want to build your wealth now, a SAS and uniquely SAS, no other pension, not a SIP, not a personal pension, not a company pension, only a SAS, allows you to lend up to 50% of the value of your pot to your property company. So if stated differently, say you put four people together, each have 100, 400,000, 200,000 can be loaned to the property company. Well, what can the property company do with that money? Anything at once. It can buy residential property, it can do an HMO, it can do a buy to let, can do what it wants. It could even buy that dilapidated property, do it up, refinance it. And that loan, the pension owns the loan agreement. So I lend 200 grand, SAS lends 200 grand in that example. There's a loan document created. So the SAS has loaned the money and it gets paid an interest rate. And because it gets paid an interest rate, that's fine. The pension's growing, but the biggest growth is outside of the pension in your life today. So you can build your wealth today with money you thought was for tomorrow. And that's huge. And that's probably one of the most popular strategies we've helped uh, property owners. And more often than not now, we're seeing since the government intervention with Section 24, when they started messing around with the tax treatment for property owners, we've seen more and more people create limited companies, which therefore means they've got more and more people eligible for SAS, even though most people haven't heard of it. Um, they don't discover it by knowing about it. They discover it by something that gives them the information that they go, well, how does that work? So it's a podcast. It's a conversation with somebody else. You know, you've got to be told about it because guess what? Your, your financial advisor isn't going to tell you about it uh, because if the financial advisor whose business is fundamentally built on the principle of managing money, if you then manage your own money, they lose out on that income stream. So uh, I know we've just gone through the festive period, but I still think that the same phrase works. Turkeys don't vote for Christmas. So that's not going to happen. And we never get any referrals on, on SAS. And we set up thousands of SASs. We never get any referrals from IFAs uh, because for obvious reasons. So because that's a really popular strategy, yes, you've got to get your head around it. And yes, it's 50%. And yes, you've got to pay the loan back. But there are rules you can follow. And that's the most popular strategy. And the final one is the is the bridge strategy where as it's a bank it's a trust fund but fundamentally it's run by a bank account then you can lend that money to other people so if you've loaned half to yourself you could lend 50 percent or any proportion to a third party so if you know other property developers or you know crowdfunding or you or you want to lend to business owners you can lend that money and then get an interest rate back. So we see lots of collaborations as well, where SAS A and SAS B join together and they buy a bigger property. So given that there's a whole community spirit and you're part of that, aren't you, with your the glue that you put into whatever, 400 episodes and more, mm -hmm. counting crumbs, that, that, that commitment to your cause is 
very much worthy of applause. Now you've done that. You're building communities. And if you're building communities, communities can help each other. And I've found so many property people connect with one another. And we often hear people talking about looking for private investors. And those private investors, typically in the mind's eye of the pro property person trying to raise money, is looking for people with cash. Why not look for people with pensions? Because if they've already thought that this is tomorrow money, but they could lend it to you, and you can give them good security, good value, good experience, good return, then there's every reason that, again, an asset, somebody else's pension, can come to the rescue and help you get access to more funds. And my experience with property people, wherever they are, whoever I talk to, invariably run out of money before they run out of ambition. And as a result of that, the more ways you can find to get access to money. And I've only scratched the surface with you, Rob, to give you a chance to speak. So thank you for putting up with me, sort of jumping on my enthusiastic bandwagon. But look, I'm passionate about this. When I discovered it, it blew me away. And I'd been in finance for 20 odd years when I discovered it. And now I'm just an enthusiastic uh, spreader of the word. It's not for everyone. It can't be. Nothing is for everyone. Sometimes a SIP is best. Sometimes a SAS is best. But we can help people make that determination by just knowing their circumstance and saying, hey, you could do one or the other. Here's the pros. Here's the cons. I think that's well, so much to unwrap there, Kim. Thank you for the detailed explanation. And I love the analogy uh, of, of the canoe there. Uh, really, really useful. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people listening to this who's either they've had a light bulb just go above the head or they've, they've been blown away by what you said and... Yeah, I'm sure I would urge people, uh, if, they, if they are in that position, again, we'll put your contact details in the show notes. Please do go and speak to Kevin or one of the team at Wealth Builders. Uh, we'll, we'll leave them in the show notes. Um, the question I had that came to mind were a couple of things. Uh, number one, everything that everything that you've said so far, uh, for people that think, well, it sounds all, you know, people might be thinking, well, this doesn't sound quite, everything is completely legal and legitimate you know it is it's not one of those it's too good to be true things the, this does actually happen so i it think does. it's important to state that um but the other question i had and i appreciate that maybe this number's always going to change um how much can you put into a sas because uh, maybe there's people listen to this who have got a property business and they might be making i don't know ten thousand pounds a month net so one hundred twenty thousand pounds a year mm. and rather than getting hit with a tax bill, they might want to be more efficient, shall we say. So how much could you put into a, a, a SAS? Um, okay. I appreciate we're doing this at the time of recording, so what you say may or may not change moving forward. Sure. All right. Well, let me make let me make three points then. The first one, to the point about, is this too good to be true? And usually the adage sticks, doesn't it? If it's too good to be true, it's probably not right. It isn't too good to be true because there are rules, Okay. Um, I mentioned you've got to have a limited company. You've got to be willing to learn about being a trustee. Each scheme is approved by HMRC. They've been going since the 1970s. So it's not something that's you know just been created out of thin air. And um, they're regulated by an organization called the Pension Regulator. So it's a highly regulated industry. So they're well established and, and known. So that's point number one. The second point about, well, what can you put in? Well, there are two answers to that, so point two and point three. Point two is if you're – most people have already accumulated some kind of pension value in their life. So that amount, if you've got existing monies, notwithstanding 
you may need to take some advice on it, but just to answer your question, it's unlimited. So if you've got a pension, let's say to an old workplace pension, but you've given up the job to concentrate on property, as an example, that money could be moved into a SaaS, so all that money then becomes available. Okay. And again, I mentioned you can bring other people if they're connected to you so that you're pooling that money. So that's number two. The third thing is if you're, let's say you don't have any pension at all, you never fancied pensions and couldn't blame you for that, but you're making good profit in your property company. You know, you, you, you've been established for long enough now. You can see, wow, all I'm paying here is corporation tax. Then the limit currently, uh, the time of recording is £60,000 per year per person. Now, you can go back three years and catch up. And there are exceptional cases where you can put up to half a million in in one go. So somewhere between nothing and half a million. right? So that's a big range. And, and most uh, people, once they get it, start to maximize. I put in the maximum every year. Um, most of the people I work with gradually build that up because then if they know that money's ring-fenced and protected in a trust fund, they've got access to it if they want to, and they've got complete control over what they invest in. If they want to diversify away from property. They could buy stock market, but without necessarily paying advisor fees. They could buy gold. They could buy crypto. They could buy um, you know, funds with crowdfunding. They could lend monies I've already mentioned. They can do whatever they want to do, provided they put their own due diligence process to good effect. Because as a trustee of a fund, you have an obligation to look after that money. Well, of course, you'd want to look after it because it's your money mm -hmm. and your family's money anyway. Because one, the other value of, of, of SaaS, by the way, as I mentioned that, is you can bring children in. So you can add your children when they reach 18. So you're creating a tax-free trust fund now that gets added to as and when the children reach a certain age, and then you're creating an intergenerational plan with zero inheritance tax. So we often work with people who've got a, let's say back to the business owners, you mentioned that in the introduction, I do work with business owners, not uniquely property business owners. And sometimes they own a piece of property in their name or the company's name. And I'm saying, well, why would you do that when you're going to pay tax on it? You know, you're going to pay um, capital gains tax on it or if you die, you're going to pay inheritance tax on it. If you could get your pension to buy it from you, it's now ring-fenced and protected. The rent you're paying to yourself and all of that rent grows tax-free. The property value grows tax-free and your kids will never pay inheritance tax. And, and no matter what happens to your company, nobody can touch it because it's protected in a trust fund. You can see why that argument uh, holds a lot of credibility. Yeah. For property owners who want to buy property, you you probably don't want to put those into trust because you want to keep them in your company. But nonetheless, you could if you wanted to, if it was commercial. So you can just do what you want to do. And while it might take some time to understand what it is you want to do and so on, all I'm hoping, as I always do, is to get a few people just a bit curious. They're saying, well, oh, I've got some money in my life already in a pension. Could I do better? Or I'm making profit. Why pay tax on that profit when I could invest that? and get access to it and it's all tax free and the government gives me the corporation tax back anyway. So, you know, yes, it does sound a bit too good to be true, but you know, 60 grand a year is, is a limit. So there's a limit to how good it is. Really. Yeah. I think uh, tax, tax efficient 
pension strategies might be a great title for this podcast. Um, and, and this is why, and I'm sure, in, in again, Kirby, in your line of work and when we're out and about networking or speaking to people, this is why you always hear the same advice. This is why you have to have have a good team, have these have this network, have these good connections, because even just by doing this podcast now and the previous one we've done and, and the times where uh, I think a couple of members of your team have you know, met with our network and all that sort of stuff. It's because you can open these doors, open these avenues, because you don't know what you don't know. And if you've got a way, well, who doesn't want to be tax efficient? Let's put it that way. If you have the opportunity to be as efficient as possible, I think most people are probably going to look to go down that route. I think that's a fair thing to say. I think it is a fair thing to say. I think um, I've never met anybody who wants to pay more tax than they legally need to. And I'm not getting political or social about that. We know that taxes are needed, um, but the whole. But yeah, I'm, I'm also certain though that if you had a title for a podcast that said "Tax Efficient Pension Strategies," probably nobody would listen to it, because as soon as you put the word "pension" into anything, it automatically tones it down to a shade of grey that no longer looks as colourful as appealing as, you know, how to use a tax-free trust fund to acquire more property or how to turn your pension into property. Then it gives them a result that you know is different from the tradition that most people see with their pension. But it's a fascinating subject, this whole idea of building wealth, building it tax efficiently, and building it also to pass on seamlessly to the next generation, because that circles back to my point about the petition. There's just so little knowledge share that goes on between the generations, the older generation, the silent generation as they're known, just didn't share what was going on. And there's so many things you can do to remove that inheritance tax bill from them if they would talk. So I get pleasure from talking to people, you know, like you and others, where you're sharing a message that says, hey, you're growing your wealth. Why would you, when you go, if you're building a property portfolio, those properties are going to last way beyond your life. So why not have a tax efficient strategy to pass it on? So the inheritance tax angle and being able to bring children in is a unique feature and I don't I don't think I've seen anything else in my 30 years of being around the kind of whole subject of wealth and money. I've never seen anything more tax efficient, more inheritance tax friendly and more beneficial for family wealth than a SAS, which is why, you know, I'm always delighted to have a platform to talk about it. And I appreciate you 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 going through it. I think that's to be fair, Kevin, from rather than giving dare I say, information overload to people, because there's a lot of information that you have, you've you've given us today, which is incredibly valuable. Um, I would say, I'd sum up in that the uh, petition will, again, we'll leave it in the show notes, and I would urge people to look at that. And so I will do the same. Once I've got the link, I will look at it and do it myself. Because I think that's a very important thing that more people have access to, you know, financial education. And I would sincerely hope that anyone who has had that light bulb moment listened to this or has at least got their brain thinking about something that they might not have been thinking about before they listened to this episode, at least yeah. makes contact with yourself. And I think if we if we go away with those two things today, I would say that is great value that's been added for the listeners. Nice, nicely said. And we'll we'll create some uh some SaaS related resources for you to put in the show notes so they can download some things. They don't necessarily need to have a conversation. You know, we've got some guides, we've got some videos. 
however people want to receive information, we can just make that available. Because I encourage curiosity. Mm -hmm. uh, curiosity, we all know, you know, we talked earlier about language, didn't we? And curiosity has a language I call the first ROI. What I mean by that is you're only one relationship, which is R, opportunity, which is O, and idea, which is I, from a complete transformation in your wealth. And wherever you get it, move towards it. Just get curious about it. Rather than try and imagine you know all the answers or it's too complicated to know all the answers, just find out a little bit more and take one step to find out a bit more. You can always say, no, it's not for me. That's fine. But for many people in property, this is definitely something I'd encourage a little bit of further investigation evaluation. And I would concur with that because I know that from, uh, as I think we said off air, recently uh, being married, I've now got a new or different dynamic to think about as well. Uh, no children uh, as of yet. I haven't been told to have them yet, so that's a good start. But certainly... <laughs> Certainly from, uh, you know, that point of view, again, even in my head, I've just got that little bit of a dynamic shift. And I'm thinking, OK, hang on a minute. What can we do moving forwards and, and try and incorporate what, you know, Aaron and myself have been doing and that we'll continue to do. So I, I echo your sentiment there, Kevin. Um, perfect. That sounds great. Uh, so, again, we'll put everything in, in the show notes. And just a massive thank you for your time. Thank you for covering what you've covered. And. Again, as long as that gets people interested in thinking that's the purpose of this, because there's a lot out there. And if if you can be as tax efficient as you can, you know, absolutely count me indefinitely. And I'm hoping people listen to this uh, feel the same way. And if it gives you more money than you thought you had in order to pursue those opportunities, then again, another reason. So money that's right under your nose that you might well be ignoring right now. Exactly. No need to ignore that. Get, get it working for you as best as possible. Uh, Kevin, before you let you go, um, any any other final words of wisdom or uh, any anything you want to say to the audience that you might not have already said? No, I would definitely say that, you know, if you look at even someone like, uh, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, everybody knows about him. But the key point about that book, which I think is often overlooked, is the whole concept of Rich Dad, Poor Dad would not exist without the rich dad. So the rich dad was the mentor. The mentor showed the way forward to Robert and he didn't always understand it right at the beginning. So it's that the fact that he pursued his own curiosity, found some, in this case, one person, but find somebody to guide you because the power of distinctions and you've done so many episodes, so there's gonna be a distinction every episode, I'm sure. But if you can find at least one distinction that you can act on, wherever you get that distinction from, it should in, in help you improve your wealth. And in the end, that's where I stand, trying to help 50,000 families become completely financially independent, set up children for life, unlike the schooling system, which is currently setting them up for failure. Well, on that note, Kevin, uh, do send across uh, everything you can. We will share what we can with as many people as we can and look forward to hopefully... Uh, having you back on the podcast at some point uh, in the future to attack a slightly different angle uh, as well. So thank you for your time and uh, look forward to uh, crossing paths in due course. I look forward to it too and a real pleasure today. Thank you so much.